out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you Lord, there's none like you Our God is greater Our God is stronger God, you are higher than any other Our God is healer
God. I'd like to welcome you to Crossroads Ministries. We're glad you're here this morning. And uh, our mission is to, to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm excited about what God is doing around the church. Many people are connecting to Jesus in a powerful way and lives are being transformed. I thank you for being a part of what God is doing here. This time, please pass the friendship folders down the aisle. We certainly appreciate that. And uh, that helps us just to encourage you and your family along the journey. Uh, just, uh, just a few announcements this morning. Uh, first of all, I'm holding in my box the Samaritan's Purse, the Operation Christmas Child. The boxes are available in the foyer. Uh, please take one or two or however many that you can take. Maybe you can take seven or eight, ten, I don't know. And, uh, and, and go out and pack these. And, and we, what happens is you bring them back to the church here between November 5th and the 12th. And we take them on to the next location, and, uh, and then from there they get shipped overseas. Uh, we had the African Children's Choir in here this summer. They were here the first Sunday of July, and they, they had children that were here, and they told us that uh, their first experience, some of them, their first experience with Christianity was a box like this, that somebody from the States packed, somebody prayed over it, and they sent it over, and a missionary came, gave it to them, or their church gave it to them, and they opened up the box, and there was all, this, all these uh, little things in there to, to encourage them, and, uh, and that church helped them find Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you. Uh, you know, my wife will be going to see my kids down at Liberty here soon, and she's going to take a few of these boxes down, and they're going to pack them up and have a little bit of fun while they're down there, and Bring them back, and we're going we're gonna to send ours on. I want to encourage you, maybe you could take one for each one of your kids and, and teach your kids how to, how to think about the world in a bigger, bigger venue than just, just ourselves. because we live in the iPhone generation, don't we? They, they almost call it the me phone, right? But uh, we're, we're very centered on ourself, and uh, whenever we can do little things like this to take the attention off of ourselves and do something that invests for eternity, it's just awesome. So I want to encourage you to take as many boxes as you can, and they are, the instructions are inside how to pack them and bring them back between November 5th and the 12th. Um, coming up here this, uh, this Wednesday, we have Trunk and Treat. That is going to be just an awesome time. If you have signed up to serve on Trunk and Treat, 
I want to encourage you, you have to have a, if, you're, if you're, you have a car and uh, you're going to be handing out candy here, there are 400 kids that have already signed up for that, buy tickets already. So we're going we're gonna to have a great evening up here. It's going to be a wild night. Uh, people are just going to have a lot of fun out there. But if, if you are handing out candy, you've signed up ahead of time to hand out candy, please take the, uh, the paper. Uh, you have to go to the, the Welcome Center, and they have a piece of paper that goes in the front dash of your car so we know as you come in that you are handing out candy. They're going to want you to get here a little bit early. The event starts at 6.30. No doubt they want you here by 6. And uh, we'll get everything set up. And then at 6.30, from 6.30 to 8.30, all the kids will be coming. So, um, you know, put the word out. There's still room for people to sign up. But uh, we're excited about, about this week. <clears throat> there are people in our church that, that attend our church now because their first experience was at an event like this, where we just opened up and we're friendly to the community. So some of you are getting creative. There'll be all kind of creative costumes out there and having fun. But we're just handing out candy and having fun. And we're going to hand it out in the name of Jesus and love our community. So I want to encourage you to, uh, to come and be a part of that. And if you've not signed up your kids to come to be a part of it, to participate, please hit the church website today and you can do, do so today as well. Then coming up on November the 5th, we have our baby dedication coming up. That's just a few weekends away. Uh, God's been blessing the church. There's a, an abundance of babies in the church right now, which is just so cool. And God is just growing young families and People are having babies all over the place, so we want to dedicate them to the Lord. This will be our fall baby dedication, November the 5th, just a few weeks away. If you'd like to participate in that with your family, please contact the church office, and the information is in the bulletin. Uh, I want you to be in prayer coming up. We, we're, you know, we're, we're approaching our, our season of generosity, I'd like to call it, uh, as we approach the, the birthday gift to Jesus offering once again this year. Uh, last year, we opened up our hearts, we opened up our arms and gave of ourselves. We, uh, we, we had a, a list of about $80,000 worth of projects that we put out last year. And uh, for missionaries all around the world, from Ecuador, Africa, uh, the, the, the list was incredible. The, the, the people that we're able to touch from our little community here. And so we were able to send blessings to these missionaries all around the world. We set that, that list out at 80000 and God brought in, I think it was 113000 Can we praise God for that this morning, huh? What an awesome God. And, um, and so we're, we're approaching that season of generosity again, and I want to ask you to begin to pray. Begin to pray about your part. Begin to pray above and beyond your tithe and offering. How can you bless a missionary? And uh, what, what could you do? What could be your part? And we'll, we'll put out that list. It'll be in the 80s again. And we're just going to see what God will do. And, and uh, you know, we're, it's just incredible because God's given us the resources. And we're able to do things like these Operation Christmas boxes. We, we give to those missionaries. And, man, we hear the stories back. Some, some of them were praying for a need. And as they're praying for a need, we send them the exact amount of the need. It's just, it's just mind-boggling how God does that. So somebody's, Lord, we're short $1,000, and here comes a surprise check from Crossroads Ministries. So uh, we thank you for your faithfulness in giving. I want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving all year round, not just to the Christmas offering, but, boy, we just, God has just been good to us. Amen? And it's just awesome to see because you're trusting the Lord. When you give to the Lord, you're saying, God, you've given me everything, and now I'm giving back to you. And, and I just want to say as your pastor, I appreciate that. I appreciate your faithfulness. appreciate your step of faith because you're growing. Uh, the scripture talks a lot about how that we grow when we learn to give. 
And that's what God has been growing us in this church for the past few years. We're, we're growing in the grace of giving, and we're growing in trusting Him, that He is God. And it's amazing. I'm finding as, as, as we give, He just keeps supplying. And so last year, we went way over on the Christmas offering. All of that went out of here. We gave it all away. We gave it to those missionaries. And God just keeps su- supplying our need. Isn't He a great God? I just love our God. Give Him a hand. I just, I just love our God, man. So um, that was non-scripted, folks. That was just my heart. I'd like to ask the ushers to come forward this morning, and we'll receive our morning offering. And as they come, if you're our guest here, again, this, is, this offering is for those that are growing in the grace of giving. If you're a guest, feel free to let this pass you by. And uh, please, we'd like to ask you to stop by our Welcome Center. We have a gift just to say thank you for being here today. But shall we go to the Lord in prayer, all right? Our Father and our God, we come before you. And we're just so honored to be called your children. God, I thank you for the, the generosity of our church, of the people, and just how that you've been growing their, their, their spiritual lives. You're taking us to a deeper level in Christ. And, and it's evident by the people that you're working around us. You're working in us. You're bringing us people from our community. You're bringing us people from our friends and family. They're, the people are coming to Christ on a regular basis. God, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for supplying for us. And God, as we give back to you right now, Lord, we just say thank you. Thank you for all that you are. Thank you for all that you have done for us and all that you will continue to be our provider. We love you, Lord. Amen. Nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're all living. 
Most people pray. People who go to church and those who don't. Most people pray without even knowing it. When we're on a plane as it takes off, for some reason, we pray. When our favorite sports team is in a close game, we bite our nails and we pray. When we're being wheeled into an operating room, even if it's a simple procedure, for some unknown reason, we pray. The words, they just come out, often words we don't even hear ourselves whispering. Lord, help my mom be okay. God, I hope this pilot knows how to fly. Lord, help my team to win. Jesus, what in the world am I doing right now? Again, most people pray. Whether we're pursuing God or not, the words, they just come out. But something changes when we have a relationship with God. Our heart, it becomes alive, and because of that, our prayers and our words come alive. And we're no longer just talking to someone, we're talking with someone, with God, because there's a relationship, a foundation with Jesus. Talking with God. You know, I think uh, it's true on an airplane, isn't it? Everybody prays on an airplane. Uh, have you ever noticed, like, when, when you're taking off on an airplane, it just starts climbing up? You ever notice how quiet it is? You know, if you're with me, I'm extremely quiet, uh, you know. I'm like a white knuckler. It's just crazy. And then, then, then once you get up there, and like all of a sudden people start moving around, and, and then you just hit a little bit of turbulence. Do you ever notice what happens in that plane? Phew, everybody's back in their seats. It's like they're quiet. I, I'll never forget one time I was on a, just a small little flight. It was from Savannah, Georgia over to Atlanta, I think it was. And, and, and the, it was like we were in a cloud the whole time. And I mean, this plane was just rocking all over the place. And I'll never forget, I looked over and I saw this lady. She was like, she was praying the whole time. I was too. I just wasn't like outwardly. I think the first time that, that yeah, I, I, there a few of those times I got through that. And I was like, okay, planes are allowed to bounce around. But, you know, some of you were there with me when I've been in those moments. You're just like, I just turned pale as a ghost, right? And, and, and it, we, that's what we do. We call on God. We learn how to pray. I think most people pray to a degree. Uh, when you think about in our culture, people pray. You, you hear people of all religions pray. You hear Buddhists pray. You hear Muslims pray. You hear uh, people pray to this. They pray to that. But we have this awesome privilege as, as followers of Jesus to pray to Jesus. We get to pray and talk to the true and living God of the universe. Uh, in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul, he was going through from town to town, and, and he upset the apple cart everyone, everywhere he went because these people were praying to false gods. And they were praying to gods that, that didn't even exist. And he would come to them and, and he would tell them that, hey, your, your gods, you, they don't answer. But if you want to answer the prayer, come and talk to the, the real and living God. And he would teach them how to have a relationship with Jesus. And, and that's what our job is today. And I think today people, people all, all around our world, they have some sort of connection to prayer. Why is that? Because we're made in the image and the likeness of God. God made you and designed you to pray. If we could start to figure that out, that God designed us to pray, that changes everything. You were wired. God wired you to be able to pray and talk to him. You're made in his image. You're made in his likeness. And, and therefore, he designed it that way. Ecclesiastes 3.11. You've made everything beautiful for its own time. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. And so the, the, uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes here, he's saying, look, in every human, eternity is planted there. There's, there is this desire 
for the creator. And so God has placed that in there. That comes from God. It's not something that you muster up on your own. Uh, when, when people, you know, when you're going in for surgery and you're thinking about surgery, quite often you're coming and you're thinking about God. There's some sort of God consciousness at that moment. I always tell people there's no such thing as minor surgery unless it's on somebody else, right? You know, you go in for surgery. I don't care what it is. They're putting you under. You're thinking about, wow, I might not come back out. At least that's how I am. You know, it's like you, you're, that, those thoughts are there. And, uh, and, and that, why is that? Because eternity is wired in our hearts. We, we have it when it comes from God. And so, so not only does everybody pray, but I think that we all need help with prayer. Uh, this whole thing of talking to God, we talk about it being simple, that it's, it's just talking with God, and yet we've made it so complicated. It's so simple, yet we only use it at certain times, like when we're on a plane or maybe before meal. I like to pray after a meal. I always tell people I'm much more thankful after I've eaten, right? It's like, yeah, I'm, you know, after I've had that full meal, I can really be thankful. Beforehand, I'm too hungry to even think about being thankful, right? And it's like, you know, you, you, you pray at certain times, but yet God wants to develop this, this uh, sense of you connecting to the Creator. He wants you to be able to talk to Him. And as you learn to talk to, talk to God, to have a conversation with God, <clears throat> I think some people have prayer in this concept that they're just... That, they, that they're talking at him. God wants you to talk with him. I want you to have a conversation with him. And that's so cool that, that you can have this conversation with the God of the universe. The God of eternity is listening for you to talk to him. Romans 8, 26, uh, the Apostle Paul, he said this. He says, we don't even know what God wants us to pray for. And if the Apostle Paul could say that in Romans 8, Verse 26, that's two verses before all things work together for good to those who, who are called according to his purpose. We, we all know that verse. But just two verses before, he says, he says that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. So the Holy Spirit understands your weakness in prayer. God understands that you're weak in prayer. God knows that you don't know what to say. So what do you say when you don't know what to say? We're going to be discovering that. We're going to learn a little bit about, wow, how can I talk to, to the God of the universe? But even Paul said, and, and if Paul could write half of the New Testament, if Paul could write all the parts of the Bible, and he says, we don't know what we ought to pray for, I want you to know it's okay when you don't know what to pray for. And whenever you're seeking God, and, and, and you're coming before him, and, and you're confused, and you, you're a little bit dismayed and disheveled, the apostle Paul was too. As a matter of fact, the disciples, the disciples were with Jesus, and they saw all that Jesus had done. They saw that he turned water into wine. I mean, that had to be the coolest thing. You have to admit that. I mean, you know, even if he turned water into Diet Coke, it'd be pretty cool. I mean, it's just kind of cool what he did. Uh, that he came and he healed a leper. This guy had a flesh-eating disease, and nobody would touch him, and Jesus touches the guy. He's transformed, and the skin-eating disease is gone. Uh, Jesus comes and he saw a cripple and he, he tells him to rise and walk and the cripple walks. I mean, it, it, time and time and time again, there, was, there were all these, all these miracles that these disciples saw Jesus do, but yet they never asked him how to do them. I think it's so cool that they never said, hey, Jesus, could you tell us how to turn water into wine? That would be so cool if we could do that. Lord, you know, we, we could just pack out the church if we knew how to heal lepers. Teach us how to do that. Look what he said in Luke 11, chapter 1. It's pretty powerful. Jesus was in a certain place praying. 
And as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. He comes and he says, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples to pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. Out of all the things that Jesus did, they looked at his life and they said, there's something different about when Jesus prays. A good Jew prayed. It wasn't that they had never seen anybody not pray. They, ne- they, had, they had not, it wasn't that they didn't see anybody pray. People prayed all the time. But when Jesus prayed, he was really in communion with God. He was really in connection. There was, a, there was a conversation that was taking place. And so the disciples came and said, would you teach us how to pray? I'm reminded uh, this morning of a, of a parable that Jesus taught in Luke chapter 15. Jesus taught this parable. Uh, it was known as the prodigal son. And you may be familiar with that. Likely you are. And, uh, but, but it was the story of two sons. And uh, the, this father had this great, great amount of money. And the two sons were to get the inheritance after he died. But the one son, as Jesus tells the story, remember, it's a parable. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So as Jesus tells the story, he tells him, he says, listen, there's two sons. The one son stays home and works, and he's going to work till the end and get his inheritance after his dad dies. The other son comes to his dad and says, I want my inheritance now. And I'm going to go out, and I, I just want it now. And so the dad brokenheartedly gives him the inheritance. Okay, son. And the son takes off and, and doesn't enjoy the presence of his dad anymore. He just runs away. He's not, he's not in fellowship with his dad. As a matter of fact, he takes off and he, he's long gone from his dad. He takes his money and he spends it. And you know, whenever you're out and you're spending all that, you know, isn't it kind of fun when you're buying and this and that and people having friends and people were coming around because he was, he was spending, he was blowing all the cash. And, and then as all that money left and it all dissipated, all his friends left and everybody left him and he was left eating in a pig's pen. He's eating pig slop. And, and you have to understand when Jesus is telling this, that Jewish people didn't get anywhere near a pig. Uh, the, the, the people who raised, the, who raised pigs, that was like, wow, they are unclean. So, so for this man, he, 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 this guy, he leaves his dad, he hits rock bottom. It's like the end of the end of the end. He is eating in the pig slop. This is like total unclean, totally as far as away as you can get. And he's not getting, this is a bad situation. He hits rock bottom. And in his rock-bottom moment, look what, look what happens here in Luke 15, 17. It says, when he finally came to his senses. Finally. I mean, he was broken, man. This was, this was a picture of, like, end, bad misery stuff. He's been out of fellowship with his dad. His, he thinks his dad hates him. And by culture, his dad probably, by, by culture, it would have been normal for a dad to hate him. That would have been the absolute norm for his dad to have hated him and, and his dad to write him off. He had not only, did, not, only was the, the, not only would the dad have written him off, but everybody else around him would have, been, uh, would have been putting pressure on. Everybody else would have been like, who's that silver spoon kid? How dare he even think about going back to his dad? And so the whole culture would have written this kid off. And look what he says. He says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself at home, the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here, I'm dying of hunger. Here I am far away. My dad gave me all my inheritance. I blew it all. Man, I have really messed up my life. At least those people back at home, they have a little bit. Even the hired servant gets food. Verse 18 
She says, I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned. I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So what is happening? He's beginning to rehearse. He's beginning to rehearse. He's saying, if I just say it the right way, if I just, if I just, if I hit my dad's hot buttons, maybe my dad will have mercy on me. If I just come back. And so I want you to think of him going through the ritual of how he's going to talk to his dad. Maybe you've had a moment like that in your life where there was an awkward conversation between you and your parents and you didn't know how you were going to deal with something and, and you were rehearsing it over and over and it, with, as human as our, you know, we're human parents and you still you have to figure out how we operate and all that. God is our heavenly father and when we come before him, this rehearsing, when we're fear, this is where this man was. In the story, the father represents God. And I want you to think of yourself as the prodigal this morning. Because that's what we do. We take and we run and we, we turn our own ways on God. And when he finally came to his senses and he's coming back, he's starting to rehearse it. And I think this is where sometimes people get with talking with God. They get with this prayer mode. They feel like if I just say it the right way, if, if somehow I just hit God's hot buttons, I'll be okay. Look at verse 20. It says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and he kissed him. In Jewish culture, a dad would never have taken the first step. In this, in this situation, here's the son running. He's far. He's squandered everything. The dad would never. I mean, it was unheard of. And what happens? The dad is looking off the porch, and he sees the son. The, the, the whole community knows that this kid is rotten, that this kid has just done wrong to his dad. And so the whole community sees it, and God uh, and the father is looking out uh, off, the, uh, off the porch. And what does the father do? The father runs. The father gets off the porch and he aggresses to the, uh, to the son. And I want you to catch this picture. So he comes out there and, and it's like this big hug. This hug is happening and there's tears flowing down both of their faces. I mean, the, the son is afraid. He's like, will I be accepted? Will they take me on? Am I going to be okay? And so, but when he gets there, he's surprised and the father comes running. And the father is embracing him. And there, there's tears running down there. There's slobber coming down his face. There's snot coming out of his nose. It's this big hugging time. And the dad's holding him. And the, and the son's saying, and the son, verse 21, says to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. No longer worthy to be called your son. And, and he's sobbing. And the dad's just so happy that his son came home. Look at verse 22. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Verse 23. And kill the calf that we have been fattening. For we must celebrate with a feast. We must celebrate because the son of mine that was dead is now alive. He was lost. He's now found. And so God shows us this great picture of the love of our God. But yet we end up like the prodigal son in so many ways. We deal with areas of our life and we think that God no longer loves us because we squandered our inheritance. And when we think about talking to God, we come back to God. And and I think sometimes even in people who've grown up in church all their life, they feel like this. Well, you know what? If I just pray the right way, 
Maybe God will accept me. And if I just hit God's hot, hot buttons, and maybe if I pray long enough, and, and we have all this stuff, this baggage in our mind when it comes to prayer, in the meantime, that is all what it is. It's baggage. It's things that we've picked up from our culture. Our culture has told us if you work harder, you get a raise. Yes, go work harder at your job and get a raise. But when you work harder with God, he doesn't give you a raise. When you trust God, he's your provider. Do you see that? Do you you see how this works? God's blessing isn't based upon that you are some good person. And so you get to come back before the Lord and you get to keep coming back and developing this relationship with him. I I think sometimes we're afraid to pray because we don't understand prayer. We say prayer is talking with God and then we say that it's simple and then we don't do it. It's amazing. I I think uh, there there was a survey a while back. People polled Christians, how, how how, how long do you pray a day? It was like a couple minutes. Wow, we're the people of God. We're his remnant in this world right now. We're his followers. He's called us to be his followers. You have this opportunity to go into his presence. And and listen, there's times that we can say, wow, if I would just be communicating with my creator a little bit more, maybe uh, some of these things would make a little bit more sense. But God's not up there uh, withholding his good because because you, or, or giving you more good because you prayed longer. No, 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 no. I, I think sometimes we have these misconceptions. Here's a couple of things. Prayer, first of all, is not a magic lamp that you rub. You don't pull out this lamp and rub it and out comes God. And the magic genie comes out and gives you, grants you your three wishes. Remember, I always said, all right, I'll take the three wishes. The third wish is that I had another genie, right? Because you, you went through one, one through two, one through three. All right, and then it's like, wow, and then you need another genie. So your third wish is I always need another genie. Uh, God is not, a, a, a prayer, when we're talking to him, is not a magic genie that you rub. There's no magic words that you pray. You know, could you imagine if you could just say abracadabra? You know, imagine my wife could say abracadabra, you're a good husband. That doesn't work. She'll give you truth on that one, right? Uh, it, it's like there's no mysterious words that somehow magically get God's attention. How about not for emergencies only? Use only in case of emergency. You know, we have out in our foyer, we have an AED on the wall. And it says, you know, in case of emergency and all that type of stuff. We have a a fire extinguisher. They're in glass. And, you know, it's like break the glass only in event of emergency. Many people treat prayer that way. We only pray in event of an emergency. We only pray when there's turbulence in the plane, right? It's like, you know, I get up there, I pray during takeoff. Now the plane's flying. I'm eating my little peanuts and cheese that's up there, right? And all of a sudden, turbulence comes. We all go back to prayer. It's not pray only in emergency. We don't talk to God only in case of emergency. Um, it, it's, it, it's not meant to be the last resort. Do you ever get around somebody that says, well, you know, prayer is, uh, you know, we've done all that we can do. All we can do now is pray. Wow. Did it get that bad? All we can do now is pray. It should be the first thing. We pray first. Pray before you go buy a car. Before you make a decision to buy a car, pray. Before you even go out to look for a car, pray. Pray before you go to the job interview. Pray before you take the job. Pray before you go on your first date. I mean, you know, don't pray after. I, keep praying. I shouldn't say don't pray, right? But uh, don't wait until the three months into it and say, Lord, is this really good? 
You, you have to pray before everything. Pray, pray, be, pray before all those big deals. And, uh, and just watch what God does. It's not used in case of emergency only. It's to be used all the time. It's not a tug of war. You know, I think sometimes we get this idea that if I just keep pulling on God's sleeve, the more that I keep pulling on his sleeve, he'll, he'll finally listen to me and he'll do what I need because I've bothered him enough. Remember when your kids were little? Some of you have little kids. They like to pull on your stuff, right? Dad, dad, dad. Sometimes you're like, what? What do you want? Okay, here it is. Here's $10. Leave me alone, right? You know? Get your ice cream out of the refrigerator. And sometimes we get like that. That's not God. You can't pester him enough. Uh, God's not going to be bothered by you. Uh, and when, when you come in and, and you, know, you think you're bothering God, no, no, no. And, and, and it's not like I'm going to keep pulling on his sleeve until I finally get his attention. When you go in the first time, you've got his attention. The creator of the universe is listening to you. Now, if you could understand this, if I could really live my talking with God, my prayer life like that, to where I'm sitting in the presence of God Almighty, I'm not talking at him, I'm not giving him a list, I am talking with the God of the universe. This was the God who created heaven and earth. And he has time to listen to Ken Barner on Norman Avenue in Finleyville. Whoa. That's pretty powerful. He has time to listen to you on your street. He has time to listen to you on your way to work. He has time. And, and, and you know, it, the other thing is it's not self-talk. Some people think, oh, yeah, prayer is good psycho- psychology, you know. Uh, the more you talk and you just get this out and you, you'll get it all on the table and you'll feel so much better about yourself. Listen, I believe prayer, you'll feel way better about yourself the more you pray. But it's not self-talk. It's not self-help. It is so much deeper than that. It's not a ritual. You know, some people think if I just, if I go through a ritual, you you hear people that, uh, you get involved with people in our community, you hear different people, they pray at certain hours of the day. Some people pray facing a certain way, you know. I'm going to face Jerusalem, I'm going to face this city, I'm going to face that city. Those are rituals. And he says, look what Matthew 6, 7 says here. Matthew 6, 7 says, when you pray, now remember, the Jewish people prayed. It was part of their culture. But Jesus said, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. He said, look, that's what the pagans do. The pagans just babble on and on and on. They think that their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again and again. So when you come to talk to God, you're not just merely repeating your words again and again and again. And if I ask God 55 times that God will finally grant me what I think I need. God has a big plan for your life. God is working. God's doing some, some things that you cannot see. So when you come into his presence, come, come, uh, come faithfully, come regularly, and it's okay. Keep bringing, sometimes we pray for years for things. Sometimes God tells us yes. Sometimes God tells us no. Sometimes God tells us wait. And, and, and so as you keep coming into his presence, you just keep coming faithful, but it's a relationship. You get, you get to know God. You get to you develop this with him. A Co- couple thoughts here this morning. God loves to hear you pray. Do you know that? God loves to hear me talk with him. God loves to hear it. That's, he designed you for that. Number one, let this sink in. God loves you. 
Just, just, just take a minute. Let that sink in. God loves you. He has no strings attached to his love. He loves you. He made you with your interest. He shaped you the way you are. He gave you your passions that you enjoy, your talents. God has designed you in a specific way, and, uh, and you can talk to him about everything. You know, I've, I say this often. If it's big to you, it's big to God. There's nothing that you can't talk to God about. If it's big to you, it's big to God. God wants you to talk to him about everything. Uh, you, you, have a, you have a hobby. You know, God, God gave you those hobbies. God gave you that desire. Some of you like to play with toys, big toys. That's what happens when we get older, right? Our toys get bigger, right? Some of us, we have bigger toys that we like to play with. You know, God gave you those hobbies. God, God gave you some of that desire. It's okay to talk to him about those things. Talk to him about everything. Some people think, oh, I can only talk to God about spiritual things. Uh, you're struggling at your job. God gave you that job. Talk to him about that. God gave you your wife. He gave you your kids. Talk to him about them. He understands them more than you do, you know. I, I'm glad my God understands my wife way more than I'll ever understand my wife, right? And, I'm, and I'm, I'm dying trying, guys. But God knows it all. And I can come before him. I can talk to him. I can give this all to him. And you can do that with your job. You can do that with your family. You can do that with your finances. You can do that with every area of your life. And if there's questions you have, now here's what's really cool, is don't be afraid to ask him the hard questions. Because he already knows you have them. Like, God, are you really there? It's okay to ask that. The psalmist did it. 50 of the 150 psalms dealt with lament. They dealt with pain. They dealt with, Lord, where are you in the midst of my trouble? It's okay for you to to say that to God. Because you're already experiencing it. You can't hide this from God. He wants you to develop this relationship. And we start to learn how to have a conversation with God. We learn how to, and it's not just like I get up in the morning and I do this devotion time. I, yes, do the devotion time. That's an extremely important. But it's not the only important. It's like all day long learning to have this relationship. And God loves for me to talk to him. Look at Psalm 103. The Lord is a father. The Lord is like a father to his children. Tender and compassionate to those who fear, to those who reverence him. Tender and compassionate. This is who he is. He is like a father. There's nothing off limits talking to God. Uh, Next, the the, the prayer is a conversation. It's not a formula. It's not some formula. You know, if I do this, you know, A plus B equals C. And if I just pray this and I do this, if I get up and I, and I do this certain form of prayer and I do prayer like this, and, and that, that somehow that God will answer my prayers if I go through this formula. No. It's a conversation. It's a conversation. You find prayer boring. I've heard people through the years, they say they find prayer boring. Do you know why we find prayer boring? It's because we're not talking about the right stuff. You're trying to make it some church language. You're trying to make it something that's not you. Be yourself. Come before God. Um, you know, I, I love it. It's a conversation. God, you know, God understands your language. You don't have to pray in some prayer language. Uh, Do you ever hear somebody pray with a lot of these and thous? I get around some of the old timers and I hear them, Lord, we thank thee that thou hast been so good to us. And for thy steadfast love, we thank thou thee. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. But whenever I come before God, he understands me too. And he understands that I speak Pittsburghese. Okay? 
And God knows what pierogies are. And he knows what a cupboard is, right? He understands our dialect. He understands. And so when you come before God, he understands your dialect. He understands your slang. He understands it already. He's waiting for you to talk to him. And so when you start talking to him and you say, God, my life's a mess. I need you to clean the cupboards in my heart. God says, wow, I'm going to help you. God, I'm really struggling today. I was out at... uh, out and about and I was with a group of people and, and they asked me to pray over the meal we were at Chick-fil-A or something like that and I just said God thank you for this food amen and everybody was like is that it? you're the pastor I said and I'm hungry <laughs> and I was able to have a prayer with God do you, do you see the difference there? you don't have to be long you don't have to be eloquent You have to be you. God doesn't want you to be somebody else. I've been around a lot of people who have different forms of prayer and different styles of prayer. And the hardest thing to do is to be me. Because you see somebody who has a great prayer life and you say, oh, if that's how they pray, then that's how I should pray. How do they pray? They pray facing the the left window. So I need to pray facing the left window. I guess it's my right. Yeah? It's like, wow. In the meantime, it's not about how, it's about who. God loves you just the way you are. Prayer is a, is a conversation, it's not a formula. I, I love this, First Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Man, every time I think of that verse, I think of fishing. I love fishing. I don't get out enough. Anybody wants to go fishing, we'll go. Just book it. All right? Just not on Sunday. But, uh, you know, cast all your cares on him. What do you do? When I go on vacation down the ocean, I'm the only one who does this. I I have this fishing pole, and I take it, and I cast it out there. And I get nothing. And I cast it out again. I get nothing. I I just love fishing. I haven't caught a fish in four years, but I love it. Okay? It's like, man, you just cast it out there. That's what it is with Jesus. He says, cast it. Give it to him. You know, sometimes the best part about fishing is just being fishing. It's just that I let it go. I mean, when I'm casting, sometimes I don't even know if there's fish out there. Sometimes I don't even care. I'm just happy that I'm not in work. I'm happy that I'm not inside. And I'm just taking it all in. And when we cast our cares on him, that's what it's like. I just get rid of it. Just, God, I can't carry this burden. Lord, I'm the pastor of the church. I can't carry the burden of the church. God, you've got to take it. God, people are having problems in their life and there's pain and all this. God, you've got to take it and I throw it on to him. And it's so cool that I can do that in a friendship. Because I have a friendship with God. Me and God are friends. It's not just some title I found in the Bible. It's, he's my friend. And I want you to develop that. I want you to develop a friendship with God. A conversation. You, you know, if you never talk to your friend, you won't have much of a friend. When my wife and I started dating 25 years ago, I never forget. I went on the first date and the second date. And after the third date, I'm like, what are we going to talk about on the next date? And then, you know, started thinking about getting married. I'm like, what are we going to talk about for 50 years? And I tell you, that woman has found stuff to talk about. It's just incredible, okay? And, and we talk. And she's my best friend. 
She loves me when nobody else does. That's what happens. You develop a friendship, right? And that's why God is. You develop a friendship with him, and first you're going to come into his presence, you're going to say, Lord, I don't even know what to say. And God says, I know. It's all right. And you're going to feel like, you know, I think it's okay if, if you're not used to praying, and you come before God, and you say, God, it's Ken. I don't know what to say, but I'm here. I think God is thrilled. He is thrilled. And you come back tomorrow and you talk to him again tomorrow, he's going to be thrilled and he'll start to teach you how to talk to him. And you'll start to learn how to listen for him. And you'll develop this conversation because for too long, I think church in general, church prayers have been one way. It's what we give to God. But prayer is a conversation. It's like I get to talk to God and when I'm quiet, I can hear him talk back. It's, It's not a voice. I don't hear an audible voice, but he talks to my soul. And everything he talks to my soul lines up with his word. And we follow him. It's awesome. God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple. I love what, uh, this is so awesome. Just, just be sincere. You don't have to be long. You don't have to be eloquent. Uh, longer is not stronger. God's not going to, you're not going to shake heaven with long prayers. You're going to shake heaven with sincere prayers. And God's going to shake you with a sincere prayer. Look, look at this. Uh, uh, this is over in the book of Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 6. It says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they receive their reward in full. In that culture, I told you, people prayed every day. They prayed in the morning. They prayed in the afternoon, and they prayed in the evening. Some people, they would have alarms, they would have all these things, and it was like, oh, they would set their alarm. What's that? Oh, that's my time to pray. I have to go pray now. And it was like they would do it to be seen by men. As a matter of fact, there were some people who prayed on the street corners, and they prayed in the synagogue, and they prayed out loud, oh, Lord, we bless your name. And they would pray these loud prayers. And they'd be, they'd be moving, and, and some, you can go to, uh, probably to Israel today, and you would still find this. I think certain parts of our city you may be able to find that. Where they're praying outside, and they're, they're kind of going through, the, through this motion and this mantra of their, of their body. And Jesus said this. He says, don't pray like that. He says, because they got the reward. You know what the reward was? They're praying, and, they're say, and you're saying, wow, they're more spiritual than I am. They must be closer to God than I am. And Jesus said they got their reward in full. He says, but when you pray, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then the Father who sees what is done in in secret, in private, will reward you. You see, those men that are praying, oh, they got the reward. People said, wow, look at them. And God's, Jesus is saying here, when you pray, you want your reward? Do you want the Father to respond to you? You have an intimate. It's not, he was, he, the, the point here, he was contrasting. He wasn't saying never pray out loud. He wasn't saying never pray in a, in a group. He wasn't, he wasn't saying to go in your closet and that's the only place to pray. He was saying go into true communion with God. And truly talk to him. 
and the Father who sees your heart that you're seeking Him. You're not seeking to be heard by other people. You're seeking Him. Somebody told me that they had a hard time struggling to pray out loud, and I said, that's okay. Because God says He sees what's in private. He sees your heart. And it's not about praying out loud. It's about you connecting to God. The Father who, who, who knows. He, he already knows what you need. God loves to show His grace by answering prayer. God loves to show His grace. Oh, man, when we, when we call on God, He answers. He hears us and He answers. We're, we're going to get more of that next week. But He always answers. Sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's wait. But He always answers. And he loves, Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things that you don't know. One paraphrase says it like this, says, call to me, and I will answer you. I will show you marvelous and wondrous wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. Wow. That's what our God does. He shows us things that you could never figure out. God's longing for you to talk to him. He is long. He wants you to be close to him. He desires a relationship with you. And as, 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 if we could just remember that, that God is waiting for you. Isaiah 30 says that the Lord waits for you to come to him. And here's why. So that he can show his love and compassion. He waits. He must wait for you so he can show you his love and compassion. This morning, I'd like to challenge us as a church as we are on this prayer journey together. I'd like to challenge you, if, if, if you don't have a regular time that you're talking with God, you would just set on your day timer this week for the next seven days to spend five minutes with God. And just, just do like he said there, to go alone in your room. And it's so cool, man. It is so cool when you get to talk to God. And you can just sit there and say, God, I'm here. And, and, and I would suggest starting by talking about how good he is. You've been so good to me. And just start there and watch where God takes the conversation. And just put five minutes down. Maybe, 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 you, have, maybe you were accustomed to doing something like this and you haven't been doing it for a while. I want to encourage you to, to, to get into the habit. I want to encourage you today at lunch to talk to God. I want to encourage you in the afternoon to talk to God. I want to encourage you, but take at least five minutes of your day for the next seven days and see what God will do. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, it's all about relationship. It's not a ritual. It's not a work. It's a relationship. And today, maybe for some in this room, your first prayer is, Lord, I need you. Your first prayer is, God, I need you. I, I need a Savior. And if that's you, you're, you're not certain that you have a home in heaven. You're not sure of all this. Well, today is the day that you can be sure that you can open your heart to God. And you can just pray something like this. And it's not the words that are magic. It's you connecting to God right now. So just quietly in your seat, if that's you, just reach out to God and say something like this. Dear God, I need you. I need a Savior. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. I'm trusting you right now, God. Lord, I want to have a friendship with you. I want to get to know you. Maybe for others in this room, you've been in church a long time, or maybe this is your first time. 
but you need to connect with God. What an awesome privilege that God listens to you. And God will talk back to you. He will communicate with you. This morning, God's probably been talking to you while I've been talking. Maybe he's talked to you about something totally different than what I was talking about. But he's talking to you. He's nudging on your inside. And he wants to talk to you. Will you give him more? Will you draw near to him this morning? Set time for him. Take the challenge for the next seven days to make him a priority. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for this awesome gift to be able to have a conversation with you. I pray you help our family now, our church family, as we respond to who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we close. If you'd like to come and kneel, that's one form of prayer. You can come and kneel and pray at the altar. You can pray in your seat as we sing. We pray to the Lord. Let's respond to our God. No no scribe and perfect skill with flawless words could capture all you are no lofty thought no scholar of this world could grasp an inch of such infinity